2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Field, to the right, Hunter on the move, racing back, it's his head, it's gone, it's into the bullpen, this game is tied, this game is tied, David Ortiz, David Ortiz, David Ortiz.
2: This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I
0: think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would... It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will.
2: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote. And I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
1: Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to a ceremony. Like, no. no like...
2: Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans. Red Sox Beat here on CNS Radio. Of course, this week is brought to you by Blue Apron and Seat Geek. Don't forget, for Blue Apron, fresh quality meals delivered to your door every week. So go to Red Sox, uh, our specific page, our Red Sox Beat page at blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat. Uh, to get your first three meals for free. As well as SeatGeek, if you use the promo code RSB, you'll get a $20 rebate on your first ticket purchase. Of course, we love having them as friends of the show. Um, of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. We're on, tw- um, of course, Twitter, Facebook, uh, iTunes. If you can rate, review, and subscribe, that'd be awesome as well. Um, no, Jess, this week, Lauren Campbell, uh, Nick, I'm going to screw it up again, Nick. It's Qualia? Qualia. I oh, was right, yes. Uh, of course, Nick was on a few weeks ago with me. Um, unfortunate for Jess, but guys, big week. This is our 100th episode. That's exciting. Hey,
0: it's awesome.
2: Yeah, uh, I didn't realize it until last week when I was putting the things into my computer and editing and everything. And I, was, I saved it, episode 99. I'm like, this is going to be a big week. And Jess was mad that he wasn't going to be a part of this. Um, but it's a big deal. Um, it's weird because I've been doing it since day one. Um, so it's I can't believe I've done a hundred of these things or close to it. Um But we're glad we can be here, of course, a big time of year for that hundredth episode to be because it's September and of course we're in a pennant race. Um Red Sox now a game out after losing to the Oakland A's this Sunday in a terrible fashion. We'll get to it um right now because I am gonna do my best to be Jess Thomas for this week. Um we'll have more Red Sox news to kinda of get to, of course, you know, Mankata, all those things. But this week was weird. Um, they did obviously better than I said. not better than we thought because Jess thought they were gonna go six and uh, six and 0 this week. But um, Monday, obviously a good win over Tampa Bay. Porcello um, went is now 13-0 at Fenway. He remained unbeaten. And guys, just typical what we expected out of this team coming in and beating a Tampa Bay team that is just isn't good.
0: Yeah, and you know what, though? Like the, My issue with Tampa Bay, and it's the same every year. It's always been this way. No matter how bad Tampa Bay is, and this year Tampa Bay is awful, except for this half of uh, this side of the All-Star break. But the Rays, no matter what they do and no matter how bad they are, they always give the Red Sox issues. It sucks. They always give the Red <laughs> Sox issues. They've been giving and issues this year. Can,
2: like toward, yeah, no, I know. Year, that's crazy.
0: And that's why I'm happy they're playing the the Blue Jays, or they were just playing the Blue Jays right now, because the Blue Jays had trouble against them, too. Uh, I don't know what it is. They can suck every year, but it's, it's a divisional opponent. And divisional opponents, no matter what, are going to give you fits. So. It's, fun-
1: it's funny, Nick. Last week I was saying you know, the Red Sox should be able to sweep the A's, but something's going to go wrong, because for whatever reason, they can't perform. I mean, they can perform well against bad teams, but it seems like they always have the most issues with teams that are not even a chance in the pennant race or any kind of playoff race at all
2: and what's crazy too is that like the Tampa Bay Rays just aren't a good team but for some reason every time they play someone in the division because it seems like Baltimore had some issues with them as well Um, I don't know what it is about them playing in the division but their young team is not much talent there Joe Madden wanted to leave like all these things and of course we're happy Porcello in this game remained dominant so Porcello it looks good, obviously, on track to potentially be a Cy Young guy. But Tampa Bay obviously didn't. I mean, kind of gave them fits. They did score four runs after all.
0: Yeah, four runs. Uh, well, off of, off of Priscilla uh it was three earned runs and six hits. But still, getting three earned runs off of Porcello this year—that's not something easy uh, to come by. And the fact that Tampa Bay can just do that and give the Red Sox a fit, especially when the Red Sox know right now this is this is crunch time for them. The Rays are kind of just playing to play at this point, which always frustrates me. I hate when teams who are so far out of the playoff race destroy other teams' chances of getting to the playoffs. It sucks to watch, but no, just just putting up damage against Porcello is something big and. This kind of shows me a glimpse of what the Rays could be in the future, because like you said, Jerry, they're a young team, so this team's going to be around for a little while.
2: Yes, at least in the division anyway. <laughs> um, so Tuesday, tough loss to them. Um, I'm so happy. I'm, I'm happy, but I'm not happy, because they lost, and that sucks, but Clay Buckholz gave up the game winner, so I can kind of say, hey, look, he's terrible, um, but... This is this kind of game, I, I hate that Clay Buckles even is considered for the 8th inning. I really do. Um, and John Farrell really came out and said, like, he's my 8th inning guy, And except when this happens and Ziegler is the 8th inning guy. So he really didn't make a decision on that. But I, I just don't think but Clay Buckles is good. No one on the show Blinks I, knows I don't like this, but... Tough way to end that game because, obviously, you were hoping you could squeak one out there. But, um, of course, Buckles ends up giving that one up to Longoria in the eighth. And now you lose a game to a team that you really shouldn't be losing to.
1: Yeah, and it's really frustrating because Buckles had a really good streak going before that. And it was almost looking like somebody you could rely on for the eighth. And, I mean, Evan Longoria, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's waiting for. So... I guess it's better to give up a home run to Longoria than some young no name on the Rays, but still very extremely frustrating loss. And like like we just talked about, it they shouldn't be losing to the Rays.
0: Clay sucks. That's that's all <laughs> I can say. I know that he I know that he had a couple of good games, and we've been watching this since what? That 2000, was 2007, his rookie year. Whatever year he was, uh, it was his rookie year. The guy is never grown into what we thought he was going to be and he's the most frustrating person and like you said Jared, it's almost satisfying to watch Clay Buckles give up that home run, I gotta rather than Tozawa yeah, oh yeah, if, if Tozawa gave up that home run, I'd be like, okay that, that blows, like this guy needs to be better, but Clay I never really think he's going to be good he had two good, he had two really, really, really good starts that surprised me, but when he gave up that home run, was I surprised? Not at all. Uh, okay, it's Clay Buckholtz doing Clay Buckholtz things.
2: It's basically. This is yeah. what I
1: need Jess on the show with me. See,
2: this is nice. I knew this was coming this week, too, because Nick and I are on the <laughs> same page with this, and Nick, this is usually how I feel in the other direction. Like, it's usually Lauren and Jess coming at me like, oh, he's great, he's fine, he's whatever. Like, this is nice. This is
1: I no, we don't say he's great. We don't, we don't say he's great.
2: You guys defend him a <laughs>
1: little. No, uh, oh, no, no, we do defend him, yes, but we don't say he's great. I mean... I mean, I know Jess projected him to be the Cy Young winner this year, but so that was just fun, bold predictions, but it's, you know, it's, I don't know what it is that, I mean, do I think he's a good pitcher? Not all the time. He's definitely like, Nick, like you said, he's not the pitcher that he could have grown into. He's, just, you know, and since the over 10 years, almost 10 years, we've been watching this guy and I get why everyone hates him. I get why everyone's uneasy with him in the in the eighth inning. I'm uneasy with him too. But I mean, now we have to get used to him again because he'll be starting on Tuesday. So oh,
2: whole
0: get nice this story. guy in the oh, gym. Get this guy in the freaking gym, he Lauren. He you're a gym rat. Him. You know he's <laughs> got to get some muscle on him. This guy got hurt every year. Just do a squat. Pick up a weight. Something. Something. Yeah. He needs
1: to he, start lifting. Like he, I don't think he can. He's like, so I don't skinny. He can gain
2: weight? Like can he?
1: I mean, if I can gain weight, he can gain weight. That's fair.
0: There, there are some of those people, though, who cannot gain weight, but he's just he's got to figure something out. I genuinely, like, coming to training camp, I remember reading a story this year that he was like, oh, I was doing some leg workouts this year. And, like, and I was surprised that a professional athlete was doing a leg workout. Like, I shouldn't be shocked that you're in the gym working
2: out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no. and he look. He just looks so fragile. Like I'm legitimately scared. He's just like someone's gonna high five him or David Ortiz is gonna hug him, and he's just gonna break because he's just so brittle looking and he looks like a little flower. But I, I still hold like I had the hardest time gaining weight, and I completely changed my diet and actually like started lifting heavier. And oh my god, I gained weight. So like I said, if I can do it, he can do it.
2: He has to be able to gain something. Like.
0: The Boston Red Sox have a nutritionist. He definitely should be able to gain something.
2: Yeah, you know it's probably just him not putting in the effort. But shocker, there, that's why none of us like him, because he just doesn't care. Um, Tuesday, tough loss. Wednesday, um, looked like it wasn't (laughs) going to be anything amazing. Uh, But then obviously this is the game. They win 8-6. Hanley's the hero with the grand slam. Uh, Wright only went four innings this game, and now we know why, because he's hurt again because John Farrell decided to make him run the bases. It's just a long story. But Hanley Ramirez comes to savor this game, guys, and Hanley Ramirez has been on a tear as late.
0: He has, and this is absolutely what we need from him, too. Uh, at this time of the year, you're going to need that one guy to step up, and I'm fine with it. I want Hanley Ramirez to step up. He's a good hitter, and we've known that, and I kind of felt bad for the for the slack that he got last year because, yeah, he bulked up, and that's not really who he is. He's not a big power hitter, uh, whether he wants to be or not, and he's slimmed down this year, and now he's focusing more on the contact, which has really been a big improvement for him. His average dropped since the beginning of the season, but ever since uh, what's it been two weeks now, he's been tearing it up, and this is the guy that we need. We need our number five hitter to be reliable in clutch situations when we have men on, and we need people to score.
1: Yeah, and it's really nice to see it coming from Hanley, especially all everything last year that happened, and the disaster in left field, and... You know, if he's going to be our DH next year, we want to know he can he can hit, whether that's just as long as he's making contact and he's getting on base, that's what matters. I don't need to see him hit a home run every other game, even though I'd like to. Sure, but I'm more concerned about him getting on base because he can score because he's quick.
2: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where um, Hanley Ramirez, for me, and going back to the Grand Slam, I think this is what you need out of him to really be successful um, down the stretch here. You need him to hit well. Obviously, you have other pieces there, like Mookie's hitting well. You, Moncada had two, two more hits today. Like, he, like this piece is there. But Hanley Ramirez is the guy behind David Ortiz, really. Um, so you need him to really kind of kill it as of late, and he has. Um, he's I think he had, like, four home runs in seven games or something like that, and I think that that needs to translate. And starting Wednesday, it, I think – it did, and I think something sparked again, so hopefully it sticks. Um, after that win, day off on Thursday, Friday, start a series with the lowly Oakland Athletics. Um, you win that game 16-2. to um, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat earlier, guys, that the Red Sox have, like on average, score like 13 or 14 runs per game against the A's this year.
1: Yeah, I wish they could do that every game. game.
0: Oh, it would be phenomenal. It would be a game changer. Um, before, ten, before today's game, the Red Sox had not scored below 11 runs against the A's this season, which no. is a, it's an insane stat. Like The poor A's, you show up and, damn, we're playing the Boston Red Sox today. Whether they're this good or not, they're going to kill us. And it must, be to, it must suck to be an A's fan, too. Because you know there's a diehard A's fan who cries when he sees the Red Sox come to town.
2: Well, and this time of year when they see a football field in the middle of their diamond, too, they're like, oh, crap, it's that time of year. Uh-oh.
0: Oh, it's so sad. It's so pathetic. It's, who still has a field like that? Come on.
2: Yeah. Okay. I know it is really bad. It's really bad. And then what happens when the it's
0: when not the even Ra- like a good football team?
2: No, it's the Raiders. What happens when the Raiders move to Vegas? Then what do they do with that dump?
0: Yeah, honestly, they're not even going to get the same revenue. Honestly, the A's might be gone in a couple of years because they're not going to get the same revenue. Like they, they're not going to be getting year-long revenue anymore. They're going to just be getting A's revenue, and by the looks of it, people <laughs> aren't much. showing up to A's games.
2: Yeah, not much revenue it's going
1: on. A sh- it's such a shame because that's such a nice, like it looks like it's such a nice stadium. There's so many seats in there, and it's just like it looks, just looks really sad when the A's are there.
0: Honestly, Dang. it's so pathetic. And like being a being a Boston sports fan, I think we take it for granted because these freaking fans out in Oakland, whoever are, but diehard baseball fans, they must be like, "Damn, this sucks."
1: I, I'm alone here. Yeah, they really are. Tickets must be nice and cheap, though.
2: I wonder what the beer costs out there. I don't really know. Must be nice, though.
1: Probably cheap.
0: It's like it's like I think I think Fenway's the most expensive beer.
2: Oh, it is per ounce. It's awful.
0: It's insane. It sucks. It really,
2: it really. It's terrible. I don't have that
0: much money to spend on beer.
2: I, barely, I want to get a
0: buzz at Fenway. It's like thirty-two bucks.
2: Yeah. Yep. It's, <laughs> it's very expensive. It's a very expensive good time. That's for sure. Um, Friday, obviously, with the good win, uh, Travis Shaw uh, was did really well this game. Uh, three run over RBI double, and then David Price comes in um, with his fifth straight victory. I know it was the A's, but did have 7Ks through 7 innings. Um, I think David Price, guys, has has been able to figure this out. Obviously, Travis Shaw's there. I think Travis Shaw obviously woke up to Yohan Moncada being up here because um, this was the night that Moncada got called up, and all of a sudden he goes on a tear, and then David Price pitches well. So, guys, all, great signs out of Friday, and I think after this game we thought that this was going to be something the whole weekend. All
0: right, so my issue with Travis Shaw going forward, though, is why did it take – for his position to be threatened for him to start hitting like that. That's the issue that I'm going to have moving forward with him is we're going to have to watch him because next year if Hanley does go over to first base, uh, unless we sign, unless the Red Sox sign somebody or trade for somebody to come play first base, Shaw's probably going to be our first baseman. So if he doesn't feel threatened at his position and he hits like he has been over the past month, I'm not going to like that because then we're going to have to go out and probably find somebody in free agency or through the trade deadline, to fill in that first base spot. Because if Shaw's going to hit like that, I don't want Shaw on the field. His his fielding is nice, but his fielding isn't a sole reason to keep him on, like Jackie see, Bradley.
2: I don't even think that he is going to be your first base next year because I'm convinced that they're going to bring a DH from outside the organization. I think Hanley. They, I think they want Hanley to play first base next year.
0: I think Hanley does, too. I think Hanley, I think Hanley's fine at first base. He was unhappy last year. People, and the, Going back to that flack that I was saying earlier about Hanley being uh, kind of ridden by Boston fans, he hated left field. People thought that he sucked in the field. Guys, he came up as a shortstop. He didn't play left field. He's not an outfielder. Of course, he's going to be unhappy in a position he doesn't really know. And when he screws up and we ride him, okay, well, guys— the guy doesn't know how to play the position that well. So obviously he's not going to be that good. I think he likes first base and I think he's happy there.
1: Oh, he loves first base. You can see like, he has so much fun. Like he'll joke around with the, with the people on first till people, I don't, there's this vine floating around out there somewhere that somebody goes to take a lead. So he makes his line and Hanley comes over and just kind of covers it up. Like they, he just has so much fun over there and it's so much nicer to see than like you can, completely tell the difference from last year because like you said he wasn't happy in left field and that that was just painfully obvious all season and just from him to go from a position he hates to a position he truly enjoys it just brings out a completely different player and i mean it'd be fun to see him back at first next season but i'm also okay with him being the dh if this is how he's gonna hit
2: you also see the the joy and like the passion like We obviously loved Christian Vasquez for what he brought to that fist pumping world, but like when Hanley makes a play or when something big happens, he gets fired up. Now, like last year, you didn't see that when he was in left field. You see him get jacked up for other people, for him, like just for anything that happens. You see this guy getting fired up, and it's awesome to see because you know this guy's here long term. So, and you also have to, and I don't want to get too much into this part of it, but you also have to remember Pablo Sandoval's still on this team. So, you have to think that they're going to factor. Him into this next year and really figure out who's going where. That's why I don't think Moncada is starting the t- year on the team next year, just because it doesn't make sense if Pablo Sandoval's still on the roster. Um, but obviously that's that's an off-season conversation. <laughs> but that's also something just to keep in the back of your heads. Um, Friday, good win. Saturday, you move ahead. Another 11-run, if not more, game. 11 to two win. Porcello had a perfect yeah. game through five. Uh, Betts got his hundredth RBI of the season this game. In um, guys, another just easy kind of win over the A's, really.
1: Yeah, nice, smooth, easy win, and and good for bets. Getting his hundredth RBI, I think. I, there's, I think it was only Ted Williams who had thirty home runs, a hundred RBIs before turning twenty-four. So, I thought that was kind of cool, and it was just nice to see them steamroll the A's again and just get an easy win.
2: Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, spe- sorry, yeah, Nick.
0: I was gonna say, especially with the with the race right now uh this is this is the kind of series that they needed because the Blue Jays are gonna remain hot the Blue Jays last year we remember those being a hot team through September, and they're not really showing any signs right now of slowing down except for when the Rays are in their way uh, <laughs> they're a they're a they're a hard slugging team and they're kinda I kind of see the Blue Jays being identical to the Red Sox they have decent pitching uh not great pitching decent pitching what's carrying them is their offense so if it's going to be like this for the whole way, I think this this series at the end of the month is going to be really what decides who pulls out of the AL East.
2: Yeah, I think that it's obviously a big series coming up with them, um, but it's also good that because th- these two games were games that you were able to keep catch up with Toronto because after this point, you were tied with first place coming into Sunday because... Like you said, Nick, those eight those uh, pesky Rays got in the way. It uh, took a couple games from Toronto. So now you're back into it. You're only a game out now because moving to Sunday. Um, and this game was frustrating on Sunday. Eduardo Rodriguez had a no-hitter going into the 8th. Um, ha- Should have had it, well, almost had it going into the ninth. But then a, the, um, the A's challenged to play, got it reversed. And that was the way the no-hitter was gone. So... No hitter, and then all of a sudden it falls apart. And then Kimbrell has his issues when he comes in with a tie game. Comes into the bottom of the ninth, um, gives a lead-up walk, and the next ball, next batter hits a double to the back to the wall. Um, Guy scores from first, and game's over because Kimbrell can't pitch with with the tie game.
0: Well, no, yeah. I mean... there's another issue with Hanley Ramirez though uh, with that, and you can't really. You can't pin it too much on him here, but you got to make a better stretch than that. Uh, that was that was a very weak stretch. I think he had his left foot on the bag, and he kind of he didn't he didn't stick he didn't go towards the ball. He waited for the ball to come to him, and in the end, that could have really been either that could have caused the ball to beat the base runner, or that could have caused the ball to be too close. And when they looked at replay, it might have been too close to call. So Hanley's stretch there did have an effect, I think. And it would have helped him get out of that inning, but also what you said about Craig Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell's got to get his head out of his butt. I am so sick and tired of these excuses. I, I don't want to hear that he can't pitch in certain situations. You're a closer, you're supposed to blow these batters away. Get used to it, buddy because you're in Boston now, and you have to figure out how to do this, or we are going to start to hate you if you keep letting <laughs> up games like this.
1: and you have to yeah, think it's, it's funny that. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's funny that you said like people say he can't pitch in certain situations like 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 you said Nick he's a closer it doesn't matter if there's the bases are loaded with no outs we, like, we bring you in to get to get us out of some sort of jam and I know it was it wasn't a safe situation but I'm I'm really sick of him giving up the walks because it's just it's walk after walk it's not even and I know today could right. have it could have gone either way like with the how the game ended? We can't put that all on Kimbrel, no. But it's still like he's—we signed him so we could be dependent on him, and he's young—he's twenty-seven years old or twenty-eight years old. So we want him here for a while, but we don't want him here if he's going to be this inconsistent.
0: Right, and he's the pressure guy. This is—he's yep. supposed to come in in pressure situations. This is unbelievable that we're even having this conversation. Our closer can't work in pressure situations. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my, <laughs> my mind.
2: The problem is, he can like, work in oh, no, situations don't. as long as he has the lead. Like, he just can't work and tie. Again. No,
1: but he needs... He can't have a one-run lead either. And I've noticed this, like, if, if we're up 3-2, all of a sudden the game's tied, and then we usually end up losing that game. And it's just, it's so frustrating because, you know, it's... it 3-2, we should be able to just shut you guys down because we're going to our closer who we're supposed to depend on to close yeah. out games. It's a weird concept.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> it's literally in his... Freaking name. It's, it's in his name. He's the closer. It's like if a starter came I was like, you know, on second thought, I really can't start this game today. Bring me in the second. You're the closer. Come shut down the inning. Come close out the inning. It's your freaking job.
2: He w- shouldn't have been in. I mean, this goes back to your point, Nick, too, because if Hanley stretches out a little more and that call stays out, then Erod probably, I mean, not probably, obviously comes back into the ninth um, and a whole different ball game from there. And then maybe he comes in the 10th, or maybe the Red Sox score a run in the 10th if they go to extra innings. So um, a lot could have happened in this small amount of time. Um, what really kind of bothered me in this game is that, like you were talking about earlier, guys, it's they haven't scored under 11 runs all season. Now they can't get, they got zeroed out. They got blanketed by the Oakland A's.
1: That blew me away today, where the fact that you can score 27 runs in two games, but for nine innings, the next nine innings, you can't muster up a damn thing.
0: No, and it sucks too because I I forget who was I think it was I think it was, uh, I think it was El Prez from Barstool Sports. He tweeted out during that game. He was like, "Oh, be nice to get one of the nine thousand runs the Sox have scored in the last two games today. You just yeah. needed one. You just needed one." That.
2: Yeah, it's crazy because like this team, we obviously know they're good against the A's, and I'm pretty sure the next the next closest team to the Red Sox in terms of average runs against the A's was like. Seven runs lower, or something like that. So, you know, the Red Sox just have the A's number. So, I didn't watch this whole game. And when I turned it on the radio on the car on the way to where I could watch the end of it, um, I, all of a sudden, he, the radio and the guy, the guys on the radio were just like, hey, 0 0 going to the eighth. I'm like, it's 0 0, seriously? Against the stupid athletics. So, it's one of those things where it's frustrating. Um, one of those tough losses, like we always talk about, Lauren, on the show. It's you. you Bad teams find a way to win a couple games here and there.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like it's baseball. There's never been a defeated team. These these awful teams are finding ways to beat teams who are obviously better than them. The worst team in baseball finds ways to beat the best team in baseball more often than not. So it's it's just something that you're gonna have to live with. And yeah, it sucks, but you can't really expect a sweep a sweep, they're not that I mean, they're common, but they're not, like, something that you can rely on. So taking two out of three, I'm very happy with.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm happy about it, too. I just feel like we should have at least gotten a run on the board today, just one.
0: Oh, you're right. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> 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 you should have. The Red Sox, with this lineup, I mean, look at this. Just listen to this freaking lineup. I remember freaking out about this before the season even started. Dustin Medoria, Xander Bogars, Big Poppy, Betts, Hanley or Mirez. Uh, it's that's that's a lineup that's got to put one run on the board against the Oakland Athletics, right? I mean, come on.
1: Wrong. And this is,
2: <laughs> and this is a week where you looked at it and said, "Oh, you have three against Tampa Bay, three against Oakland." Jess wasn't wrong to guess six and zero last week in our predictions. I mean, I, I no, thought not he was, at all. I thought he was crazy just because something usually goes wrong. But like, you look at the schedule on paper and go, "You know what? You should go six and zero this week," but they didn't, obviously. Um, so. There you go. That's kind of the week that was there. Um, MVP for the week. It's tough because so many people had some good games, but not consistently. But I think, and Lauren, you you kind of did this in the, um, the recap notes here. I don't think I have to agree with you on this. I, th- I mean, it makes sense to give it to Rick Porcello. Had two starts this week. Um, able to keep his undefeated streak going at Fenway Park, as well as having a perfect game through five innings and and winning another game. Two more wins, 19-game winner now. Uh, I think it makes sense to give it to Porcello for the week.
1: It's just every week he just blows my mind because it's like he was just so bad last year. And all of a sudden it's just, I mean, I'm not complaining at all. I'm just like, like I said, my mind is just blown by this guy because he's undefeated at home. He leads the league and wins. And it's like, why is nobody talking about him for Cy Young? Why are we still on? Like, I feel like every time Cy Young gets brought up, he just kind of gets skipped over.
0: Hey, it's Mike for- the young rookie, he's a better story to talk about. I mean, you got to remember, it's all about media right now. Uh, it's, it's all who the story is, and Rick Porcello is really not the story to talk about. But you're 100% right. He should be in the conversation. But I just want to say, like, guys, do you remember, like, in the beginning of the season, he really didn't start off that good. And I remember thinking in the first game, oh, no, we're going to have the Rick Porcello of 2015. His first game against Toronto, he gave up seven hits and four earned runs. And two home runs. I was like, oh, shoot. Looks like we're going to relive the Rick Porcello of 2015.
2: Yeah, and obviously a lot of us sat here and said, oh, you're not a $20 million pitcher. But my hope is this this translation that Rick Porcello was shown, pitching in Boston, finding success, translate to David Price. Because now David Price has been here for a little while. And now towards the end of the season here, he's been fine. Five straight wins. Um, it looks like his dominant self. I, I think David Price is starting to get more comfortable on, in the Red Sox. You know, really kind of flourishing as well.
0: It's a bridge year. It's it's uh, Boston. There's there's we talked about this last time on the sh- I was on the show too, Jared. Uh, bridge years in Boston are very common, and as much as it sucks because we expect it to be good, the moment you step off that plane into Boston and become one of us, the cult that is Boston, Massachusetts, you. You're expected to be good, and you, you have no time to get used to it. You have no time to feel out the situation. You're good, or we are going to boo the crap out of you until you walk off that mound.
1: Oh yeah, and we're just absolutely brutal. Like it's we ch- we can change our minds in the matter of one start. It's just it's ridiculous. We will cheer you, and then the next start, if you give up like eight runs in the first inning, we're just gonna like you said, boo you to you to you. <laughs> Back down in
0: the cl- in the clubhouse. I I hate myself for it. I <laughs> like <laughs> it's it is my least favorite quality about myself. I will I the most negative thoughts about a player will come into my head if you suck, and I don't want I want to be on your side. I really want to be on your side, but until you show me something, I am going to ride you. But have you guys have you guys read that Pedro Martinez biography? Yes, you did. in the, In the biography, he said that he. Felt betrayed by the Boston fans because there was one day he gave up like five or six runs in the first or second inning, and we booed him off the mound. So that's just it's just the culture here. If we're going to boo somebody like Pedro Martinez off the mound, nobody is safe.
2: Yeah, if we're booing Pedro, we're booing play Buckles. That's for sure. All right, well, there you go. Rick Porcello is, of course, the MVP, and. This, of course, recap was not just Thomas, but was brought to you by uh, Blue Apron, our friends at Blue Apron, providing fresh, quality uh, meals for you on a weekly basis, giving you the ability to have convenient meals, no more than $10 a week delivered at home. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. As a result, chickens are free-range, beef is raised humanely, pork is raised naturally, and seafood is sourced sustainably under standards. Of course, developed in partnership with the Monetary Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Uh, Lauren and I, of course, and Jess all use Blue Apron, and I know, Lauren, we're, we're all obsessed with it because it's just so easy.
1: It's so easy, it's so good, and... It's gotten me to try like some foods that I never would have thought to try like squid ink spaghetti. I would never ever eat that in a million years. Nope. And but because nope. they sent it to me, I tried it and it was, it was I surprisingly liked it, but it was very different. And but I mean, that grilled cheese just talking about last week with the scallions and everything was so good. Like everything is just so good from them.
2: Yeah, I know it's delicious, and of course has a huge impact on the house You cook together, building strong family bonds. Research shows that blue apron families cooking are, are cooking nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot eating out or at higher end grocery chains can now spend under the, that $10 per person number I gave you earlier for a nice, healthy, and delicious meal. And what you can do, check out you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping. By going to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat, you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Of course, we love having them uh, partner us with us here at the show. Um, they're something good. Clay Buckholz is something bad. End of story.
0: <laughs> Clay Buckholz is something bad. And, Lauren, I, I have a genuine question for you before we hop back into any... <laughs> Storylines, Jess Thomas, can you explain to me what his obsession is with Clay buckles? Because I know <laughs> I you guys understand. both like him. I don't like understand him. it, so. I, I, can't <laughs> even, I can't even see a reason for it.
1: You know, I, I, a lot of it, I you can read my article on Clay buckles that I wrote. It's He's been with this team for so long, and I think that, I mean, I don't want to give up on him. And I think at the end of the day, Jess does not want to give up on him because we've seen glimpses of good Clay buckles. I know we've seen more glimpses of bad clay buckles and it would it's easy to say trade him get rid of them and or don't even exercise the option for next year there's so many things we could say about him most of them negative and i think jess just continues to see the positive of clay buckles because everyone else has given up on him and if there's going to be two people in this world who don't it's going to be me and him
0: yeah but jess is the kind of guy who who might have a tattoo of clay on his bright butt cheek uh, <laughs> Just, it's the, the defense, I never really can, I never can grasp it. I never, whenever there's defense for him, I always think, okay, yeah, I know he had a great 2013 year. This is, this is what you would just love to allude to in our giant Facebook arguments uh, with the seven or eight writers on CLNS. That's what you guys always allude to is the 2013 season, but it's 2016. This is the year that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about 2013. I agree <laughs> with you. I liked him then. But this year, it's 2016. I don't care about 2030. Nick,
2: Nick, Nick, if it's they'll even go back as far on this show to saying, "Well, the guy's thrown a no hitter, so he's been good." I'm like, "Okay, well, that was the beginning of his career."
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. he had a great year when he was 12 years old? I know he threw a perfect game.
2: He threw a great (laughs) curveball in little league when he like had no elbow. Like, yeah, it was great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I don't care. Like, I'll say this every. Every week, he has not gone on the, on the disabled list this year, and we are almost at the end of the season.
0: No, because he, he, he stopped pitching. He stopped. being a starter. He didn't go on the but DL, he's gonna, but he, he
1: kind of. He only. He only kind of stopped being a starter because he's been. He started and he went in the bullpen. And he started. He went back in the bullpen. And then he's starting again. So he's only kind of. He's been more of a starter than in the bullpen. So I'm going with he still no. hasn't been on the DL, and I think that's a major accomplishment right there.
2: He didn't go on the DL because he said to us in the, like the first two weeks of the season that he was healthy and nothing was wrong, and that's why because he's never done that before. They usually find some phantom injury to give to him to put him on the DL. He came out early in this year and said, "I'm healthy. I'm fine. I got to figure it out." And from there, he's been uncoddled and he had to figure it out.
0: He also didn't he, didn't he not pitch from like July second to like. August first, like he had yeah. a long stretch when he didn't he even pitch. Well the so unless he yeah. fell down his stairs, like he was, there really wasn't much area for him to get hurt.
2: He lost as much time as he usually does with a DL stint. Only he just didn't get pitched because he was so bad.
0: Guy freaks me out.
2: Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, he, he's weird looking. Like he's just he's weird.
0: You got, cra- got a crazy look in his eye. Oh, he looks. He looks like he would yell at me for no reason.
2: Yeah, but I also don't think there's anything between the ears for him. So I just think there's nothing up there. Um, but a lot, of course, I don't want to talk about Clay Buckles. I hate that he always ends up coming up every week, Lauren. It's, it's awful how much he comes up. Um, obviously, some good news, though, this week. Um, September call-ups were part of this week. Obviously, now it is September 4th as of the show. Um, two big points from the September call-ups, because this one I didn't really kind of slip past me. We'll we'll get to Yoan Yo, Moncada in, in a minute here, but guys, Joe Kelly was put, called up, Ryan Hannigan was called up. Where's Ruznay Castillo? Uh, uh, Ruznay
0: Castillo is being Rusene Castillo, being overpaid. He might be the most, the highest paid AAA player in the minor leagues. Uh, what he's doing right now is trying to learn how to hit a curveball. Um, playing very subpar defense and making everybody in Boston and probably the United States and maybe even the world wonder why the Red Sox signed this guy for so much money.
1: I was, I'll still, I'll never forget. I went to his first game um, when the Red Sox called him up for the first time and he dropped the most routine fly ball. And I was like, why did they sign him for that much money? Like the exact thought, like that ran, ran through my head. I was like, this is not going to be good. This, <laughs> this is exactly the player he's going to be. And that's the player he's turned out to be. And it's, it sucks because you, know, you, you have high hopes for somebody when they sign him for that much money. Of course you have high hopes. He's supposed to be this great player and he comes in to be such a bust. And now he's just making millions. And like, I just want to be paid that much money to be horrible at my job.
2: Yeah, it's 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 just not good. Um, I'm I'm not really shocked by it by any means. I just didn't really even think about it because I just kind of forgot about the guy. Um, but obviously, the big the big call up was Yohan Moncada. They didn't have to call him up, but I think they kind of needed to because Aaron Hill and Travis Shaw both were not doing well at third base. They weren't getting production out of there. Um, I think at the very least, he was going to be a base running kind of option come down the stretch and into the postseason because the dude is fast for how big he is he's not even just fast for his size but he's just fast in general um
0: did you see that score from first base on travis shaw's double
2: yeah yep the score from first base he hesitated he practically stopped and then he still scored pretty easily
0: and he was he was moving so fast his head first dive into home he started like halfway down the line like he, he slid for a freaking long time
1: yeah, that was a really long slide, and uh, it's it's he's so fun to watch on the base path. I know we've only seen him a few times, but that guy has wheels, and he turned on turned them on so so fast. Like I, it was ridiculous that he just came cruising around third. I think he blew through um, the, the, the stop sign essentially. There, he was just like put his hands up, and Mikado was like, "Nope, I'm just gonna keep going." Yeah, he did well,
0: my thing with him. uh, yeah, my thing with Makata right now is. Uh, like you said, Jared, the, the the situation at third base right now is it's poor. Uh, Travis Shaw not hitting well. Uh, Aaron Hill not hitting well. Both meh. I mean, they're 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 good fielders. I'm not going to take any of their fielding away from them, but they're not really anything that like I br- said before about Jackie Bradley. Jackie Bradley is the kind of player who you leave in, and you can, you'll deal with a low batting average because he's so good at, at his position in the field. Travis Shaw and Aaron Hill, they really don't have that luxury. So they need to hit if they want to keep their job. And bringing in Yohan Mankata, it's kind of like, what do you have to lose? Because Yohan Mankata, I'm assuming, is going to be a an average fielder at third base for right now for how young he is. He did uh, miss a ground ball today, but we'll let
2: that one slide. Uh, okay, but good. he made a couple good and, plays uh, the last couple nights.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got a bullet. His first ground ball, it was like it was like 1,000 miles an hour into Hanley's chest. He's The guy's got a cannon. He he can't be worse than what we have. That's really something that I, I think is probably the biggest reason they brought him up. He cannot be worse than Travis Shaw or Aaron Hill right now.
2: I will be, I will no, say too, I, because... I... sorry, I, I will say too that he like the first ground ball he's ever taken at third base in the majors was a high ground ball to his, his right side. He had to backhand it, set himself and throw it and cross the entire diamond. Like the dude's going to be okay at third base. He's a, good defender when he's at second so he's just gonna translate to learn the position for a guy who hasn't played many games at third base I, I like what I've seen so far and I will tell you this now I am all in on this guy
1: yeah I mean I definitely I definitely love this guy i been waiting for him to get called up all season and you know it, and I know they said this before they said he can make plays to to his left to his right but if the ball's hit at him he has trouble with that we saw that today And I know he's young and I know that's something he's gotta get used to, but whether you're at second or third base, you know what a routine ground ball is and if he really needs to get that figured out quick because it's a routine ground ball. They shouldn't be bouncing off your gloves every chance and every chance they get and every if I'm more worried about somebody making a routine ground ball play to first than somebody diving out to their to their right to make a good play, I I'd rather see somebody consistently be good with the smaller stuff than, than the bigger things right now.
2: Oh, for sure. He'll figure it out, though. Yeah, he's young. Right, he'll he- figure it out. That's yeah. the
0: situation that we're going to have to deal with right now.
2: And it, that's all you, it's all you need him to do right now. You're not asking him to be a major cog in this team. He's hitting low in the lineup, but he's looked pretty comfortable at the plate, too. Um, Art got his ma- first major league hit in his first start, went two for three today on Sunday, so looks very comfortable at the plate and the speed on the base pass. The defense is the issue, and it's not really an issue. So, guys, this, this guy in maybe even next year, but at least two, three years from now, is going to be a stud in this league.
0: And that makes oh, think- you think about like what the Red Sox have for the future. Because the outfield is set. I mean Ben I'm I'm pretty certain Ben Attendee's going to be starting next year in left field. Bradley in center field. Betts in right field. If Minkata does make his start, I'd say, two years from now. He's, I, like, I, like you said, Jared, I don't think he's going to start at third base next year. But in the following year, uh, Mankata start at third base if he's ready for that. You're going to have Bogarts at shortstop, uh, maybe Petey. We'll see how Petey is at that time. Uh, maybe Hamley at first base, and then the DH, and the catcher situation, maybe Vasquez will be ready. I like that a lot. I think the Red Sox are going to be set for the next couple of seasons, especially if Mankata is able to figure this whole thing out uh, come two years from now.
2: Yeah, and you're still going to have Pedroy there as a veteran leadership presence. Um, maybe you bring in a, a free agent. I really hope it's in Canarcion, But a free agent type guy, a veteran, to be a DH if Hanley stays at first. Um, which again, I wouldn't hate at all. So you're not going to be putting a bunch of young guys in the fire but it's also not a terrible thing because look at the Cubs situation. The Cubs were all young guys. That's their core. That's what you have looked forward to with the Red Sox here. Once you fix the pitching that lineup is going to mimic the Cubs in the situation whereas Moncada and Benatendi are going to be cogs in this lineup with Mookie and Bogarts for a long time.
0: I think that outfield is signed through 2019, too. So if you want to add that to the situation, it's going to be years before you even have to really worry about the contract situation. And it's a money saver, too, because right now they're both on their rookie contracts. So... Because of that, you have a lot of flexibility to spend money on free agents, like an Encarnacion to come in at DH, or maybe another starting pitcher to come in, aging David Price, and a Drew Pomerant who you also have for another couple of seasons. So with the young rookie contracts, there's money, there's, there's flexibility to bring somebody in to make this team that much better.
2: Yeah, you definitely have the room to um, bring people in. I think you're going to t- obviously take David Ortiz' money off the books. Um, and from there, it's kind of only up, especially because these lower guys aren't getting paid too much just yet. So you have the room to kind of go at it again this next year, even for instance, this year doesn't pan out, which who knows? You don't know that. You're obviously in a pennant race, which is finally exciting. Because, guys, this is all we asked for at the beginning of the year was this team to come in, not be in last place. I wanted September baseball that mattered. I want the air to get cooler and yeah football season starting which is great we all love football but I wanted baseball to matter all the way through September and we're finally seeing that we're seeing football matter obviously but we're seeing baseball matter through September we're seeing them fighting for a division with the team who most people pick to win the division so it's nice to see this team's going to be in the playoffs whether it's in that one game wild card or winning the division so you're going to probably get playoff baseball this year which is very exciting and it's about time
0: And having Red Sox have playoff baseball and good September baseball right now, it just makes fall so much better. Because whether you're a Patriots fan or not, I don't know what you guys' football preference is. But I mean, we have football season. Hold on, hold
2: on, pause. You not a Patriots fan?
0: Oh no, I'm a huge Patriots fan. I just don't know about you guys. I don't know. Oh, Phil,
1: I I got worried for a second. I I was
0: like, (laughs) Oh no!
2: Show in the middle of the show. Like, what are you doing?
0: (laughs) Oh no, I can I can run Patriots with you all day too. But uh it, just, it makes for such a better fall to have uh, the Red Sox have good September and hopeful playoff baseball along with a Patriots team who's actually going to be interesting this year with a Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. It's not going to be as easy, but uh, this isn't a Patriots show. This is a Red Sox show. Uh, but that's the thing, too. Like, I think the Red Sox, despite what other people may think, I think the Red Sox can actually do pretty well in the playoffs. I think they're the kind of team who once we've seen what they can do when they get hot. They pile on the runs. And no matter how good your pitching is, uh, the Red Sox have already shut down quite a few really good pitches this season. Uh, you're going to see players like Mike Fulmer, even though Detroit probably won't make the playoffs, but you'll see you, you pitchers like Mike Fulmer who are really good in the playoffs. The Red Sox already destroyed him. Uh, Zach Granke already destroyed him. Those are two of the best pitchers in the game right now, and the Red Sox already showed that they're not afraid to go up against anybody. So if the Red Sox can get hot at the right time, I think we're going to have some pretty good playoff baseball and not just settle for having playoff baseball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I obviously have them winning the world series. So I think we're going to have a oh. lot of fall baseball, oh. but, <laughs> Damn, <stop it>. <laughs> but, stop it. but it, it's been nice to have the baseball that we're playing now because last year, Jared, when we were did, when me, you and Jess were doing it, we didn't have anything to talk about, you know, in May because it was just, the season was over and it was awful and the games were hard to watch. It was just hard every week to be like, try to find some kind of optimism within oh, just, the team. I, mean, and I just crapped
2: I, on them for months. That's all I did.
1: Oh, you are awful. But this year, it's like it's like a breath of fresh air. We have we have good baseball. We have a really good team, and they're really starting to make it interesting with this wild card or the pennant race. Like, I mean, they're they're always they're tied. They're a game back, and then they're a game up, and then they're tied. It's It's going to really just come down to these last few weeks.
2: Yeah, and it's fun to watch, finally. Um, One thing that's going to be huge, actually two things, but obviously the bullpen's been an issue. Um, Coach Uyuhar is scheduled to come off the DL as of Monday, Labor Day. Um, Is this going to be like adding some guy late to help? Is he really going to matter at this point? Um, Or are we just looking at another guy who's not really going to do much for you at this point in his career, coming off an injury?
0: I think I think Uihara is gonna. He's gonna be a successful impact because uh, he he's not really he's not relied on for going uh, two or three innings. Uh, we know what he is. He's a one inning guy and he's an eighth inning setup man. And hopefully, this injury uh, maybe that allowed him to heal whatever other injuries that may have been holding him back. Uh, because it's no secret that he wasn't uh, being the successful Uihara that we that we fell in love with in 2013. So maybe this injury helped heal other things that might have been uh, nagging him along. But uh, speaking on the bullpen, I wrote an article about this today on CLNS. I think the most important call-up that has happened this year for uh, for the month of September is Joe Kelly. I think Joe Kelly can possibly turn this bullpen around. He's a starter. He's a starting arm who can last three innings at a time if you need him to. If one of your starters falls apart, early in the game and you need to bring somebody in, in the early fourth or third inning. You have that arm in Joe Kelly to go those couple innings because his arms used to being a starter.
1: It's funny. I've made that argument before when I think last season he was, you know, when he wasn't doing too well before he got on his little heart streak, I said, I thought he'd do really well in the bullpen because he has such power behind, behind his pitches. He throws 99, hundred miles an hour and if he can do that for three or four innings, like you said, if one of our closers or one of our starters falls apart, or somebody just can't get through a quality start, we'd have him. And I, I have so much faith in this guy that he can be a good, a good bullpen guy. And as for Koji, I mean, I, I hate to be like doubting of him but he you know his age he's up there and these, these injuries now it's i feel like he's just starting to fall apart and it's a whole like wait and see kind of thing maybe he'll be good and maybe i'll just be awful but i'm hoping he's 100 percent healthy and he can actually perform well and be the koji that we need him to be especially coming into a playoff stretch
2: if he's 100 percent healthy he can help this team but if he's not or if he starts to struggle you're back to square one. And that's where Joe Kelly is going to come into play. Um, especially on nights where, like, say Tuesday, where Clay Buckholz has to start because your, <laughs> one of your best pitchers is hurt because your manager's an idiot. Um, you have guys there to back them up. And that's what you need. And this bullpen's tough to do that right now. But um, the bullpen's going to be key in just the way Clay Buckholz pitches. Um, but it sounds like, guys, and there's a report for this because I saw something earlier um, while I was doing my uh, my show on ESPN New Hampshire that apparently um, Stephen Wright was looking at going to a specialist and potentially could be done for the year.
0: Yeah, that's what I hate. I hate hearing that he wants to go look for a second opinion because whenever you hear that, you know that it's something much worse than like the original yep. injury. Uh, when somebody goes out, especially with an arm injury, especially when a pitcher leaves with a shoulder and elbow injury and they think they're all good. They think it's nothing bad. The soreness went away, but then they throw and it starts to get a little sore again. So I'm going to go get my second opinion. Nothing ever good comes out of going for a second opinion. So if it comes out in a couple of days that Stephen Wright is done for the season, it's going to suck. He's been one of the main focal points of how good this staff has been lately and really that he's how good he's been all season. If he goes down, that's going to be a huge blow. And then we're going to be stuck with Clay holds for the rest of the season. And I'm going to be back to throwing things in my living room, whenever he comes into pitch.
1: <laughs> and that, and, and I hate, absolutely hate when I hear any, whether it's a pitcher, any position player, when they go see a specialist, cause you know, that's never a good thing. And like you said, Steven Wright has been such a bright spot in this rotation. And for him to go down with an injury that could have easily been avoided, and this is, if he is done for the season, this is coming down on, this is going to come down on John Farrell so hard and so bad because he His made job's a decision. Oh, yeah. And I, I, the job's I know I've wet. been an advocate. Yeah. I mean, I, if they win the World Series, I don't think he'll be gone. But I mean, that's another conversation for another day. But it's for him to make a decision to run a pitcher who, who, to pinch run a pitcher who who doesn't essentially know how to really run the bases—that's not what his job is. And this is exactly—I'll go back to it a hundred times a day. This is exactly why the National League needs to adopt the designated hitter, or they need to come up with some kind of rule where pitchers don't have to hit. Or it's just, it's, it just—it's—it just blows my mind that this could have been avoided. Stephen Wright could have been pitching for his fifteenth or sixteenth win by now, and instead he, because of a stupid decision made by. The manager, we now lost one of our best pitchers. Now potentially for the year, yep.
0: and, and that's where you challenge people too. You have to say, and whatever, if there's there's still people who God knows why. It's like you, Lauren. Why do you defend John Farrell? Same thing for you. I, when I say you, I mean why do you defend Clay Buckholtz. I just there's not a defense. There's not a defense for for running Stephen Wright in that situation. You can't give me anything that I'm gonna be like, okay, that makes sense because you have people who are on the bench. Who are used to running the bases? Who run the bases every single night? Who, who who specialize in pinch running? I mean, come on. Throw anybody else out there. Just do Even not Pomeranz. put in one who of your Pomeranz. starters.
2: Like, put Palmer yeah, and on. run the bases. Like, I don't care if he's a exactly. pitcher. Exactly. Heard... It's you one thing on? to be a pitcher. It's, it's one thing to be a pitcher and run the bases. I don't care. Some pitchers know how to do it. But Stephen Rice, I guarantee you, hasn't run the bases since high school. And... Why would you put him in a situation where you just got a guy in Drew Pomerantz, if you really wanted to be a starter, he just came from a league where he ran the bases every time he pitched. So, like, it's just little things like that. And he's made some other decisions throughout the year that just really just pissed me off.
0: He's a moron. It's it's unbelievable watching him make decision after decision that makes you scratch your head. Uh, it's It's... To me, it's like he overcompensates sometimes. It's like he wants to make the right decision so bad, he overlooks everything and overthinks it and then runs the wrong person or puts the wrong person in a pinch hit or puts the wrong person up in the bullpen. There is no need there to pinch run one of your most successful starters and biggest surprise of the year, I think, by far. Stephen Wright is the biggest surprise of the season. And you, you sent him down. Everybody was thinking, the, when he was out there on second base, everybody was thinking, the worst-case scenario right now is Stephen Wright gets hurt running the bases. And what happens? Stephen Wright gets hurt running the bases, and now we might be stuck with Clay Buckles for the rest of the year. We can't put e in the bullpen if uh, come playoff time if need be. It's, it's, it affects everything long-term, and it sucks. It's It really, really, really could have a huge impact on the Red Sox moving forward for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, a lot of Red Sox um, stuff going on, of course, um, and John Farrell is, unfortunately, in the middle of most of it. So, uh, that being said, all, of course, all your Red Sox news uh, this week, of course, is brought to you by SeatGeek. And don't forget, of course, you can go uh, use that promo code RSB, um, and you'll get that $20 rebate off your first ticket purchase. Um, before we get to your predictions and get out of here for the week, guys, there is some MLB headlines that we should get to as well. Um, let's start with this one, because this is absolutely ridiculous, and I, again, I talked to my morning show earlier today on Sunday. Um, the Braves actually want to sign tim tebow to a minor league baseball contract two questions for you guys one why would they want to do it and two why does he why does this guy think he can play baseball
1: (laughs) um to answer your first question because the braves and nobody's talking about the braves ever so now they're doing something for them to talk about the braves and it's tim tebow i mean part of me feels bad for this guy he's only 29 he's it's only two years older than me and his career essentially was over before it even started in football. And I mean, if he thinks he can do it, why not do it? And maybe it's a whole people really haven't talked about Tim Tebow either for a while. So he's putting his name back in the headlines. I don't know.
0: All right. Well, my thing with the, why would the Braves do it? The Braves are doing this, I think to generate merchandise sales. I don't know if you guys watched a Braves game lately. But there really hasn't been too many people going because they suck, and baseball's actually pretty big in Georgia, so the fact that they have nobody showing up really shows how bad this team is. Uh, I think Tim Tebow is just kind of like a, he's going to be like a showcase for them to sell more to, to get more ticket sales. People are going to come out to see Tim Tebow. People are probably going to it's going to be ridiculous, but people are going to actually buy uh, Tim Tebow jerseys. And the reason he's doing it is let's, let's face it, he's a freak athlete. Um, he's got an unbelievable athletic build, uh, but personally I think he can still be an NFL quarterback I, <laughs> I know I'm one of the few people left who actually believe that but I think the guy should have actually tried to stay in the NFL, I know he did try and nobody signed him, but I think it's nuts that he's not a starting quarterback somewhere in the NFL I think he's better than some of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, so he's doing it just because he's a competitive freak he wants to play sports and he wants to be in some kind of a competitive atmosphere again
1: yeah, I mean, I I thought he could be a quarterback too. I thought I st- part of me still thinks he can because I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think he got the right chance.
2: No, um, I mean he he won playoff games. I think he, he did well in fine. the playoffs. He, he I I don't been get fine. It. He would have been fine in Denver if they didn't give him give him up. But I'm not going there with football. But I think that Tim Tebow. Is just wants wants the attention. He has a cozy job in broadcasting. I don't understand why anyone would want to leave that. He can make a lot of money on endorsing things. He has a career outside of being competitive sport like a competitive athlete, but I think the dude is so competitive that he just wants to do something that's professional, and football's not an option because he's not willing to switch his position, and no team's going to look at him at quarterback. So he's trying to do something that he hasn't done since high school, and I think that's stupid. But, one thing that's not stupid is Clayton Kershaw's finally going to pitch again. Um, he's coming back Friday. He hasn't pitched since June. Uh, A herniated disc in his back. i um, just kind of exciting to see that coming down to the stretch here, Kershaw's going to get back to pitching on come September, of course.
1: Yeah, it's going to be nice to see him back on the mound. I mean, he's still in talks for Cy Young. He's... Obviously, you'd hate to see him go down with the injury that he did, and hopefully, you know, herniated disc is really nothing to screw around with. So hopefully, he's a hundred percent and can really just bring it all to to his team and get his team back on track, get him back on track since he hasn't pitched in a few months. And I think it'll be it'll be good to see him back on the mound for sure.
0: Yeah, herniated discs are not a joke. Those things, like they they can slip out. Pretty easy, so especially if it already slipped out once, so it's it's gonna kind of be scary, and I would hate to see this hinder like the rest of his career because I mean, they're once that happens, they stay pretty weak, and but just it, it could not be a more perfect time for him to come back. The Dodgers currently have a three game lead uh, over the Giants in the National League West right now, and the Giants are the kind of team who can go on a hot streak and then come back and actually win the division because it's an even year. Giants win even years. So, Dodgers have to watch out right now, getting the race back. It's the perfect time. So, they need Clayton Kershaw to come back, and they need Clayton Kershaw to do Clayton Kershaw things and strike everybody out and make everybody look like fools.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it'll be good for uh, Kershaw to come back now and obviously just kind of help solidify that for the Dodgers, of course, to stay ahead of the Giants, but I'm still not counting out the Giants to get uh, further than them. But they aren't getting past the Cubbies. I picked the Cubs from the World Series. Right, at the beginning of the year, um, easy pick, but I think it was the right pick. They're currently at eighty-eight wins, um, going into the basically the whole month of September left. Like guys, they're 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 gonna they could crack like one hundred and ten wins.
1: That's yeah, crazy they, they might get one hundred seventeen.
0: They might get one hundred seventeen <laughs> wins. Like it's they're they're an out of this world team.
1: It's ridiculous, and I. Eighty-eight wins is just crazy to think we're in, we're in the beginning of September and they could get a hundred wins with by the end of the month easy and I think they're gonna get like I'm guessing like one hundred two one hundred three maybe but that'll but they're definitely cracking hundred no doubt.
2: It's crazy too that they I'm pretty sure I saw something that said if they if the Cubs lost like lost out the Pirates would have to go twenty two and four to catch them.
0: Yeah. It's they I mean they, they have a stranglehold on it. They're uh they're the easy pick to win the whole thing. Uh but they're the Cubs, so personally I don't think they're gonna win. Uh just not no, no rhyme or reason, no stats. I'm not gonna throw numbers at you. Uh they're the Chicago Cubs. They will find a reason to fall apart at the end. They'll they might even not make the World Series, you don't know. So uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll touch upon that again in about a month or so when the playoffs start to heat up.
2: They, um, what was I going to, I told I hate when I do that, I blanked on what I was going to say about the Cubs, um, but oh well, guess we're moving on because I don't remember what I was going to tell you guys. Um, before we get out of here for the week, let, let's make our predictions because we do this every week. Um, I was, I told Jess last week, I would give him credit if he was right, he wasn't right. Uh, but I wanted to point that out anyway. um, This week we have three, and he's going to love me for that. Um, This week we got three at San Diego and then three against the Blue Jays in Toronto. Obviously that series is going to be huge. Um, Nick, what do you got going on against the Padres?
0: Padres, I think they take three games out of four. Uh, I don't really see them losing... I don 't see them really losing more than one game against the Padres, uh, but then again, maybe I do because the Red Sox find ways to lose against crappy teams, but um no, I see them taking three games out of four. Uh, they got Buck Holtz going on Tuesday, so I see that being the game that they lose uh, ha ha Lauren uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: but i think I think every other starter is going to be able to handle the Padres lineup, and then the blue jays I, I think they 're going to lose two out of three of the Blue Jays uh the Blue Jays are. They just had a, a tough series against the Rays, but that doesn't mean that they're going to stay uh, cold right now. They're probably going to heat up. And I see them losing two out of three to the Blue Jays, but that's still a successful trip for me over this next week.
1: Well, Nick, uh, the Red Sox can't win three out of four against the Padres. They're only playing them for three games. It's just going to point that <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, no,
0: you're not wrong. Yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, if they're going to win three games, I'll take that sweep. So yeah. Two out of
2: three. I- two out of three. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, Lauren, you have them winning two out of three by that standard.
1: I do. I have, I have them winning two out of three from the Padres. I, they should win all three, but you know, I make, I say it every week. Something always goes wrong against teams that they should win against.
2: Yeah, I'm going by gut. I have them sweeping the Padres. Um, Padres just like the A's are bad. If the A's wasn't a four game series, they would have swept three. So I I just think that the Padres aren't good. They're going to take advantage of this. Hopefully, hopefully have a lead in the division going into this Toronto series. Um, but I highly doubt it. It's gonna, that Toronto series is going to be fun. Um, Lauren, what, how do you have them pl- going out in Toronto?
1: Uh, unfortunately, I have them losing two out of three. I just, I I want to say I want, want them to win two out of three, but Toronto's just so good. Like, the bats in their lineup, their pitchers on the hill, and it's just going to be, it's going to be really tough and I'll be I'll be more than happy if they take more than one win, but I don't see them going into Toronto after coming home from a West Coast road trip or going there after a West Coast road trip. I don't see them winning more than two games.
2: Yeah, More than I'm, one game. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have them losing two out of three as well. I still have them going four and two for the week because of the sweep, but it's just a tough situation they're in. I think they have plenty of division games left between all of them to kind of make up the difference after that, but... Um, The Blue Jays are just kind of... They're coming off that tough series against Tampa Bay. They're just playing so well right now. Um, I can see a situation where the Red Sox might win that second game. But um, just for predicting reasons and just looking outside, looking in from this far away from it, um, I can't imagine they would win more than one game in that series. But that being said... um, Either way, if they're four and two this week, I'll be happy. So I will take that. Um, but there you go. There are your predictions for the week. Um, and there is your 100th episode of Red Sox beat in a nutshell right there. That's it. Um, and of, course, of, course, of course it was brought to you by a uh, SeatGeek and blue apron. Don't forget, go to blue com slash red Sox beat to get your first three meals for free with free shipping, as well as if you go to SeatGeek and buy a ticket purchase for the first time, don't forget to enter RSB as a promo code. You'll get a $20 rebate. If it's your first ticket purchase as well. Um, don't forget to find us on Twitter at red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is red Sox beat podcast. Um, Nick, appreciate you joining us on the 100th episode. You should be honored. You get to be a part of our 100th episode.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I love coming on.
2: <laughs> Jess, we apologize for you not being able to, being available, but you went camping. So, hey, you get to win, too. Um, we will be back next week, of course, for episode 101. Um, start another 100. Here we go. Um, until then, of course, that is Lauren Campbell and Nick Qualia. I'm right, I think. Uh, um, I'm always going to second-guess your last name, Nick, but Um, That being said, we'll be back next week. This is Red Sox Beat on C L S Radio.